Amen. Amen. What a great time of worship. Thank you all for joining in, sharing testimony, singing along, for standing up. You say, brother, standing up is just standing up. No, it's not. You're standing up in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Giving God all the honor and all the praise. Let's go, or before we start out, let's go to, uh, to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Jesus, we come to you at this time. We thank you, first of all, Lord, for your love and your mercy. We thank you for the goodness of God. We thank you for uh, the, the amazing free grace. We thank you for mercy. We thank you for love. We thank you for the plan of salvation. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we have a home in heaven to go to. We thank you, Jesus. We also thank you for this nice, warm building to be in and worship you, Jesus. We don't have to be out in the snow and the cold, Lord, and we thank you for that as well, Lord. We also thank you for our pastor and his dear wife. I pray that you would be with them this morning. I pray that you would give them a special blessing of your throne, dear Jesus. I pray, Heavenly Father God, that you would strengthen them in their lives, and I pray, God, that as their own vacation, Lord, that they could just rest, Jesus. And I pray, God, that this uh, little time away, Lord, would be a time of uh, spiritual renewing. And I pray that you would just bless them at this time. And I pray you would minister to them at this time and just be with them, God. We pray for all the other people of our congregation that are not here with us today, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that you would be with them wherever they are at, whatever they are doing. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would bless them and minister to them and keep them safe and give them all traveling mercies home. God, I also pray for any sick that may be among us. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch them and that you would heal them, Heavenly Father God. We pray that you would strengthen each and every physical body that is in this congregation to resist, to resist that flu, God. And finally, Lord, we pray for this message, God. I pray, Heavenly Father God, that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon me right now in the name of Jesus and give me the words to say and that all of us, yea, even myself, would learn something, something of you here today, Lord God, that we could glean from your word, we could glean from your spirit, Heavenly Father God. I pray that our hearts, I pray that our minds, I pray that our ears would be 100% unstopped and open to the word of Jesus Christ, the word of the Spirit, the unctioning of the Holy Spirit. I pray, dear Jesus, that you would just be with us at this time. It is in your holy and great name that we pray. Amen and amen. Turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to start reading in verse 1, the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22. Going to start reading in verse one, and we'll uh, we'll skedaddle probably on down to verse fourteen. That's probably that's going to be our text this morning. Matthew twenty-two, verse one, and Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, "The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that they were bidden to the wedding." And they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their way, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully, and slew them. Verse 7, But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which are bidden are not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out, into the highway and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there was a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, 
How camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then, then said the king to the servant, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 14 also happens to be the title of my message. For many are called, but few are chosen. Title of the message, many are called, but few are chosen. Before we go, it's kind of off topic, but before we, we get too much into our message, I want to talk about this word chosen. So we all know this morning that God gave each of us a free will here on earth. Brother Joe, God gave you the choice if you want to serve Him or if you want to do your own thing. Can I have an amen? Sister Melinda, God gave you the choice. It's in your power today to serve God or to serve the devil. Can I have an amen? All of you in here, God gave you a choice here today, right now, while you still walk upon this planet. You're not six feet under. You have a choice. Can I have an amen? I know I'm being repetitive, but I'm trying to drive this home. You have a choice. However, one day when all of you stand before, all of us I should say, me included, stand before the judgment throne, God is going to choose where you spend your destiny on the choices you made when you were here. Let me explain that a little bit. It's not choose as in the human mindset. God has this book. He never changes His mind. So like, for example, when you and I go out to eat, we might pick this meal one time. We might pick that some other time. God is not that way. God never changes His mind. So when I say God chooses where you spend your eternity, this book determines where you're going to spend His eternity. And God is the author of this book. The Holy Spirit inspired this book, and thereby God chooses where you spend eternity. Can I have an amen? So that's what I want to explain. I'm going to use that term a lot this morning in my message, and I just kind of want to get that out of the way. It's not God doesn't choose, like I say, in the human mindset, because God doesn't change His mind. His standards will always be the same, but that's what it means when it says, but few are chosen. In the next coming verses, we're going to really dive into this verse 14 because the verses that are all before that kind of kind of feed into that. That's why that's why he told that story, and then and then basically the 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 peak of that story was verse 14. Just as the title suggests, this certain king called many people. To this wedding. This story is such a picture of end times. I don't know about you, but I just, I just see example and illustration after, after illustration in this story. The whole world, men, women, children, it doesn't matter, all of you in here today, and Everybody out there in the world that's sitting in church right now, that's not sitting in church, that's sitting in a bar, that's waiting for football to come on, that's waiting for some other sport, that's doing all kinds of sin, while they are here on earth at this present time, they are all called. That's why the Bible says, for many are called. All of you in here on the sound of my voice today are all called to be a part of the chosen ones. Can I have an Amen. So this king went out, verse 3, and he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. You and I are invited to also join in in the marriage supper of the Lamb. We all have our invitation. But have you sent in your RSVP card? That's the question today. Have you told Jesus that you're coming? Or have you just taken your invitation and thrown it in the trash? Such a picture. And they would not come. Right there is a little bit 
again, just a picture. The, the first group of people that would not come, he's talking about the Jewish nation. So the group that the king invited, the first group in verse 3, didn't even bother to show up. Uh, such a picture of the Jewish nation. They were the ones who were called first because Jesus was a Jew and he, was, and he spread the gospel to the Jew first and then also to the Gentile. I'm going to quick skip over to John chapter 1. I think I wrote it down right. John chapter 1. I'm just going to read two verses over there. The gospel of John chapter 1. Verse 10 and 11. And he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own. That's talking about the Jewish people right there. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. So just as in this story, the king's basically the first guest the king wanted to invite. None of them even showed up. Verse 4. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. So this first group of people, he's sending out again another round of invitations. Again, the king calls those people, pleading with them to come to his son's marriage. As today, people, there's another picture Today, people that are in church, especially if you're in America, over and over and over again, they are called to be a saint, a disciple of Christ. Over and over again. Just as this king, again, over and over, just kept, just kept asking people, these people, to come to his son's wedding. Verse 5. But they made light of it, meaning that they didn't take him very seriously, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. Some of these people that the king had called made excuses. We're too busy. We're not ready right now. I have a business to run. I have a hobby I'm into. I'm too busy with my family to come to your wedding. Whatever it might be, I'm too busy with work. I'm, it's just not convenient for me. Whatever excuse people use and that you may be using today. People today, just as these people did in verse 5, they make all kinds of excuses why it doesn't work for them to follow Jesus right now. Don't be one of those people. You know what the Bible says? Today is the day of salvation. Today, harden not your heart. Don't make excuses. Don't go out to one more party. Don't get into stuff in the internet anymore. Don't take another sip of alcohol. Don't smoke another cigarette. Start saying no to the devil, no to the world, no to sin today. While it is still called today because tomorrow may never come. Okay? Tomorrow may never ever come. You and I might walk out these doors and each one of us might not walk back in next Sunday. So don't make excuses. Amen? Even forgetting, even if you have, have things in your life and you are a believer and, and, you, and, you, and there's things in your life that you're dealing with, don't make excuses. Just deal with it. People make all kinds of excuses why it doesn't work for them to follow Jesus right now. Verse 6, And the remnant took his servants. This is talking about the rest, the rest of the people that didn't make light of it. They took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Some of these people that were called to the wedding killed the people that were letting them know about the wedding. Well, what's that all about? 
why, why would you, when, when somebody invites you to a, a marriage feast of the Lamb, and, and remember, we're speaking phys, uh, according to this story and spiritually, they killed Him. They killed them. That's still going on today with the persecuted Christians. The persecuted Christians, all, all us Christians as true believers, we're walking around this globe and we're telling people, repent. There's a marriage supper coming. Are you ready? It's going to happen one of these days. Are you ready? And some of these Christians are paying with their lives, just like some of these servants paid with their lives. So a lot of similarities. Jesus was persecuted for calling the people to His Father and ultimately gave His life. So are many, many Christians today and many Christians in the past that have given their very lives to call people to repentance. Verse 8. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. The king says to his servants, We have a wedding to enjoy but no guests to enjoy it with us. Those people we call originally, the first group of people, picture of Israel, have not heeded our message. They haven't responded to our invitation, and therefore they are not worthy. Again, as I said before, He came unto His own, but His own received and not. Speaking of Jesus. Verse 9. Go ye therefore, here we go, go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to come. Bid, bid to the marriage, that's what it says, bid to the marriage. As I stated before, God has called everyone to take part in the glorious plan of salvation. Romans 10.13 For whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 2.21 And it came to pass that whosoever, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. God doesn't choose people here on earth to take to heaven and chooses to send some people to, to hell as some people might believe. It is a free choice that's open to every single individual on this planet. If you have a soul, you're a human being, you're invited to come and be with heaven. Revelations twenty two seventeen, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come. And again, And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Let him take of the water of life freely. It doesn't cost anything. You don't have to bring anything physically. You just have to bring your life. There's no amount of money, no amount of possessions, no amount of wealth, no amount of fame that could pay for your sins, that could pay for the salvation. But you know what God did? God stooped down in His almighty glory, in His almighty power and said, Whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. It doesn't matter your social status. God has called everyone. Everyone. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both good and bad, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Finally, the king had the wedding venue filled with the called. The second group of people that they went out, a lot of them responded, 
And finally, he could have a decent wedding for his son. Verse 11. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on his wedding garment. Boy, that's a problem, isn't it? Back in the day in, in, in Jewish culture, if you came to a wedding and you didn't have on the attire, it was like an insult. It was like, why are you even here? He saw a man which had not on a wedding garment. This man, and I'll, I'll explain to you, this man is such a great example of everything that is wrong with the church today, spiritually speaking, not physically, but spiritually speaking. Here you have this king who, as we read in the previous chapter, laid everything out. Everything was done. Everything was perfect. The, the table was set. The marriage, everything was ready. And then you have somebody showing up with the audacity to not even have the right clothes on for the event. That is a picture of a lot of these so-called Christians in America today. They want to come to God the way they want to come to God. They want to do it the way they want to do it in their humanistic ways. And that is a huge problem. This man is probably actually someone who did all the right things outwardly. He probably, he, he seemed to have answered the call, you know. The king told him, come, and he went. He was in church every Sunday. He might have even posted a couple scripture verses on his social media account. Oh, he was a good family man. He might have even shouted amen at the pastor's sermons from time to time. He might have even tithed faithfully every Sunday. But that's only filthy rags if you're not changed. If you're so busy washing the outside of the cup, remember this wedding we're talking about is spiritually speaking. If you're so busy washing the outside of the cup, when it comes time to go to the wedding feast, you're still going to be clothed in rags. And, and you're going to be you're going to be out of position. You're not going to have your right clothes on. He called himself a Christian, but he denied the power thereof. He was invited to go to his wedding, to go to this wedding. But yet, he, 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 wouldn't, he wouldn't dress up for the occasion. He insulted the host. He decided, you know what? I just came from the field. Good enough. I'm just going to go. And that's how many Christians are today. They don't want to change. They just want to go living that same old, depraved life and just throw the name of Jesus on. Well, I tell you, brothers and sisters, that's not how it works. When God saves your soul, you are a changed person inside and out. That change starts from the inside. When you knelt at that altar or beside your bed or wherever it was that you got saved, something inside you, there was a light that got turned on in your heart. That light got turned on, and all of a sudden, you're like, wait. I think the Holy Spirit's ministering to me. Those things I used to do, that person I used to be, those things I used to say, those places I used to go, the things I used to look at, the people I used to hang out with, I'm not going to do that anymore. Because you know why? Because Jesus has changed me. I am now a different person. I am not that old depraved sinner I used to be. 
I am not anymore that person that's stuck in sin, stuck in the mire, that's going back, that, that's, that's like the, 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 the man looking back from the plow. I am not that person. I am changed. What I just said goes against everything about modern Christianity. Because everything about modern Christianity is what? It's all about what was on the group chat of Trinity Fellowship a couple months ago. It's all about following your heart, chasing your dreams, doing this, doing that, and there's no room for God. You know what? When you become saved, you take your own ambitions, you take your goals, your dreams, and you flush them down the stool because you know why? God has a different plan for you, brother, for you, sister, and you need to ask Him what that is. Sometimes it's not very clear. There was no root to the seed that was planted in this man's heart. He was so unbelievable shallow. Like I said, this man is such a perfect, perfect, perfect example of modern American lukewarmness Christianity. Self-righteous, self-serving, fake focused solely on the outward appearance, focused on himself, undisciplined. May I say that word? He was undisciplined. Just kind of read the Bible whenever he felt like it. Focused solely on his outward appearance. Unsanctified and filthy on the inside. Proud. No change. No change from his former life to now. Oh, I'm just going to go in like this. Jesus will accept me the way I am. I don't have to change anything. Jesus is me, 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 me. Jesus is, he'll, he'll, he'll put up with me. No. No. God demands sinless perfection. Not here on earth, but when we get to heaven. When you, when you get that new body, when you get that new body and you're saved, you're going to be sinless perfect. But when you're here on earth in this flesh, I tell you what, brothers and sisters, that blood better be applied to, your, to the lintels and doorposts of your heart. That way when God looks at you, He sees perfection. That's not modern American Christianity. One parallel in this, uh, are we on verse 10? Verse 11, that's the one we're on, verse 11. This man, he was called to the wedding, and right there he was faced with a choice. Not only could he choose to go or not to go, he chose to go. He had the choice to change into wedding clothes before he got to the wedding. Okay, he had a choice to go home, to clean himself up, and be like it's supposed to be. Just so you and I have the opportunity, before we leave this planet, we have the opportunity to get down on our knees, make our stuff right with Jesus, fall down at the altar before we go through heaven's open door or before we face the judgment all of us has the opportunity to become saved while we are here on earth we have the opportunity to change just as this man did he made a choice to just see if he could sneak in with his filthy rags and ah, nobody will notice me well, on the day of judgment there ain't nobody there ain't nobody going to be hiding from if, you're, if those sins are not covered by the blood, everybody will see it. So as this man had the opportunity to change before he went to the wedding, so you and I have the opportunity to change before we appear before the judgment throne. Verse 12, And he said unto him, Friend, 
How camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? NLT, friend, he asks, how is it that you are in here without wedding clothes? Like I said, back in that culture, it was an insult. So the king's literally like, what are you doing? When you come to, to, the, to this wedding I have prepared for my son, you're supposed to have your clothes on. What are you doing? And it says, and he was speechless, talking about the man. This is a picture of the day of judgment. God is saying to you, if you appear before the judgment unsaved, God will say to you, I gave you the Bible. I gave you my son that died to pay for your sins. I gave, if you would have got saved, I would have gave you the Holy Spirit. I left you for guidance and comfort. And I gave you eternal life. And you said no. That's the equivalent to what this man is saying. How came as thou in hither not having a... Jesus is right now saying, calling... Jesus is right now calling my son. His blood is shed. Eternal life is waiting. The Holy Spirit, discipleship is waiting. And yet there's many people that are going to step through that door of death. Say, no, I think I'm going to do what I want to do. You know, I, I don't want to be disciplined. I just want to have fun with the world. I love this last part in verse 12, and he was speechless. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, on the day of judgment, and this is very sad, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be speechless. They are going to have no idea what to say because of the eternal punishment that's about to be laid out on them. There will be many speechless people on the day of judgment. Verse 13. And the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I don't have to tell you. That's a picture of hell right there. This man ended up, spiritually speaking, spending eternity with the devil and his angels. This man was called, just as all of you and I are called, but by his actions, he, cho he, was, he chose to say no. And then when he appeared before the judgment, spiritually speaking, the word of God, God, the Trinity, said, no, you're not coming into heaven because you rejected me. And God chose, he was one of the ones God chose not to bring to heaven. As I said before, it's not the human choosing. It's the standard of the Word of God that does the choosing. As I said before, while we are here on earth, we have the power to choose whether we serve God or serve man. But then on the day of judgment, God and His Word will choose where you spend eternity. Just like I just think I just thought of an example right now of our children. So let let's say your your child is about to to do something like they've uh, they've got the cabinet door open and they're just ready to reach into the candy bin, right? And you say no. They have a choice to make, right? Or 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 they're or they're about to to throw something. They're about to throw a tantrum, and you say, uh-uh, son, you throw that, you're getting a whooping. Uh-uh, don't be doing that. That's how it is with us and God. Except the consequences are on a much, much larger scale. God tells us, gives each human, each person, 
the ability to choose. Each of us has the ability to choose. But then, depending on that choice, the Word of God will determine where you spend eternity. Verse 14. For many are called, but few are chosen. That's the main verse I'd like to focus on as it's the title of my message. For many are called. As I said before, I don't need to go over this again. Many are called. All of us has the opportunity to come and serve Jesus Christ with our lives. All of us has the opportunity. Everybody has the chance. But the last part of that verse is very sobering. But few, few are chosen. Few are chosen. On the day of judgment, when the graves are opened up, everybody that's alive will appear before God. It will shock and surprise everyone how few people will actually get to experience eternal life. Just think about that. The Bible says few Few, few are chosen. When, when you, let's say you have a, 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 a bookshelf with hundreds and hundreds of books on it, and you say, here, go ahead, pick out a few books. Do you take all of them? No. Do you take half of them? No. Do you take uh, 50 of them? No. Few, a handful. Few are chosen. That should sober every one of us this morning. Picture it like this. The road to hell is an eight-lane freeway, one way, 70 miles an hour into hell. That's the road to hell. It's easy. You just set the cruise, sit in the air-conditioned heat, whatever. You just go. It's easy. You don't have to do anything. You're enjoying life, so you think. The road that leads to eternal life, that leads to heaven, is just this narrow footpath where you have to get out of your car and work at it every single day by the power of the Holy Spirit to attain. That's the difference. That's the difference. And there are not many people that choose that path. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be there go in it. Because straight is the gate, and narrow the way. In a narrow way, you don't have a ton of people going down. It's probably single file, but on the broad way, boy, you can just travel as a group. You can just go, just have a good time. Beware the false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth down, that bringeth not forth, excuse me, good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, whereby their fruits ye shall know them. Verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. These people, they were, they were working miracles, they thought. We're, we're casting out devils. We're prophesying in your name. Or so we thought. Have we not done many wonderful works? 
I will profess unto them, I never, I never even knew you. What were you doing? You never even asked me. For those going to heaven, God demands, as I stated before, demands sinless perfection. And if the blood of Jesus Christ is not applied to your heart this morning, I'm afraid that's not up to God's standard. These people, they thought they had it. They thought they were doing right. They got away from the Word of God. On the day of judgment, Jesus is not coming back. He's not coming back for a bride that's not committed. He's not coming back for a bride that's stuck in sin, loves to do sin, smells like the world, lives like the world, acts like the world, do the things that the world does, is bound by demon spirits. He's not coming back for a bride like that. Jesus Christ is coming back for a 100, as the, as the pastor has said in many weddings, He is coming back for a spotless bride. He is coming back for the chosen few. Jesus is coming back for those people that have said yes to God, no to self, yes to His Holy Spirit, yes to the blood on the cross, no to the things of the world, no to the sin. That is what Jesus is coming back for. He's not coming back for with people that have all kinds of issues. They have one foot in the world. They have one foot in the church. They're trying to, they're trying to, to, to live this, this sinful life and throw the name of Jesus on it and, and, and post scripture verses everywhere and have all kinds of cool Christian stuff hanging. But the second they head out the door, they're living like the world. That is not the bride of Christ that He is coming back for. He is coming back for a bride that is pure, that is spotless, that has, the, that has His precious blood that He shed for her, that has that applied to the doorpost. That's the bride He's coming back for, a bride that is changed. A bride that is different. A bride that the world looks at and says, those people have something. Not these people over here that call themselves Christians and look just like the world. Jesus is coming back for a bride that is a disciple, a cross-bearer, somebody that follows Him each and every day gets up no matter how hard it is and says, God, I don't know if I can do this one more day, but I'm going to trust you. God is coming back for a bride that's committed, that's not fornicating with the things of this world. God is coming back for a bride, like I said, that doesn't have all these issues, doesn't have all these problems because of her lack of faith in Jesus. God is coming back for a bride that is producing the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of righteousness. He's not coming back for a bride that's clothed in filthy rags. He's coming back for that true church of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for a people that are committed to Him and only Him. A disciple is one of the chosen ones, the few chosen ones. A Holy Spirit-filled person is one of the few chosen. A daily cross-bearer every day is one of the chosen An old-time Christian, not in a modern American Christian, 
is one of the chosen. A person who is victorious over sin, who is victorious over the world, the flesh, and the devil, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is one of the chosen. A person who worries only about the inside of the cup is one of the person. Because if your inside is changed, it automatically flows to your outside. Automatically. <clears throat> this message is not just for unbelievers, it's also for all of us believers. Are we spotless? Are there things in our life that's putting a stain on the bride of Christ? Are there things that we're doing that are not a byproduct of being a child of God? As I said, all of us have called here this morning, and many of us, by the grace of God, Many of you have shared your testimony. You have answered that call and you've said yes to Jesus. But are there things in, your, in our lives that are not of God? Are we striving, brothers and sisters? This is a challenge I want to leave with you today and then I'll be done. Are we striving to be one of those few chosen do we get out of bed in the morning and like god i don't know if i can do this another day it's so hard the devil's just coming at me with everything he's got god i don't know if i can if i can hold out another day but i'm just going to trust you that's what it takes to be one of the chosen ones those few chosen ones it takes a dedication and a complete commitment to Jesus Christ. If you here today find yourself one foot in the world, one foot in the church, you need to do business with God. Why don't we just spend a couple minutes in prayer at this time? Somebody wants to kneel down where you sit, you can kneel down. You want to stand up, raise your hands, you can stand up, raise your hand. But let's just spend a couple minutes in prayer. Dear Jesus, we come before you, Lord. We lift our hands, we lift our voices. Show us, Lord, where we need Jesus. Show us, Lord, where we're one of the not one of the chosen in our lives. Show us where we're letting the world creep in. Show us, God, where, where we're, not, we're not being like the few chosen that we should be that Matthew talks about. Lord, help us not just to be one of the called, but help us to be one of the chosen. Help us, Jesus. Open our lives. Open our hearts. Open our minds to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord. Help us understand, Lord. Help us to pick up that cross and bear it honorably. Help us, Jesus, to identify weak points in our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus, minister to us. Come dwell with us, Lord God. We need Jesus. We need Jesus.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for working in hearts at this time. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being with us here today, Lord. Thank you, God, for giving me the words to say. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that ministers to me, minister to all of us here today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, at this time we come before you, Lord. We thank you. We pray for this time of giving, Lord. I pray, dear Jesus, that these gifts would be multiplied and used for your honor and for your glory, Lord, and only for your honor and for your glory. I pray, Jesus, that we could just honor you, serve you with our lives, Lord. I pray, dear God, that we could just look unto you and serve you, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Lord Jesus, once again, we just pray for our pastor, Lord. I pray that you would be with him once again. Give them traveling mercies home, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you would watch over him. And I pray, God, that they could just have a safe trip home, a safe flight. I pray for all the other ones that aren't here, Lord. Be with them as well once again, Jesus. We thank you so much, God. It's your name that we pray.